all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us. Oh, my goodness. Insta. X. X. <laughs> Facebook. TikTok. Twitch. Threads. Blue Sky. Now, oh, are, are we on there, too? We are on Blue Sky. Oh, okay. Um, at uh, All Bad Things Pod. That was the easy part. Email us, allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. <laughs> Even the things we didn't know we have done. <laughs> yes. Do those, do those too. Yes, our friend um, Atalanta gave us a Blue Sky invite. So oh, okay. So we are on Blue Sky. I saw that when I got suspended from Twitter again. <laughs> and then I was really like, really like, fuck this website. Like, oh, all yeah. it does is make me angry. Because yeah. it's just, um, I mean, it didn't happen right away, but. Certainly, it's been, what, I think Elon took it over in, like, October or November last year? Yeah. So he's had it for us. So it ultimately became what it is. It's just, it is just right, right-wing right troll land. And just, yeah. like, shit, like, I got tweets from pr- plenty of right-wingers before because I followed a lot of them uh-huh. just to see what they were saying. But I would also get tweets from people that I followed and interacted right. with more. And then it became, like, all I was seeing... Were the trolls... Pretty much, and occasionally being like, oh, yeah, I forgot I followed this person, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. But uh, I think I might have explained the same thing last week. But <laughs> okay. uh But, um, yeah, when I, but after that happened, I was like, I'm like, all right, fuck this. Like, like all it does is piss me off. Uh, I'm done with it anyway. They're apparently done with me. Yeah. They, <laughs> so. They're like, David, can you take a hit? <laughs> yeah. So, um. But yeah, threads had kind of like just come out and it was making all these headlines. So I was just like... It looks a lot like Twitter. And I looked at the thing before and I'm like, it's got like a rethread. It's got, I'm like, it's basically yeah, the same thing. Yeah. The one thing it doesn't have yet mm-hmm. is I don't have access. It doesn't have like its own GIF page, which I really liked about Twitter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had to have had, had saved GIFs, which I do not. Oh, well, that's a big downside. It they is. need to update that. They, I hope I hope they will. Everybody yeah. knows how much I love my gifts. I love gifts. As a true millennial, I love gifts. Yeah. I've always thought it was GIF. Either way. GIF. Giffy. Either way. <laughs> I like Giffy peanut butter. Um, <laughs> so we are coming off of another, you just got done work. And I just got done with a three-hour gig. Yeah, we've done a couple of those now. <laughs> we have. We have. Um, I saved up this story just for you and also to tell on the, uh, on the pod. Um, it, it was kind of a shit show of a night initially. Sound, hey, I'm not the sound person in the band. No, that's and, Dave. Exactly. And I will never dog on anybody for having a hard time with it because I couldn't it do can, it. Because it can right? be a pain in the ass. Yeah, and especially in small spaces. But anyway... Yeah. So we were kind of up and running. We played Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin, right? Sure. And It's a good opener. Yeah. Solid opener. And Pamela, our drummer, is um, about five or six oh, months that's pregnant. Right. Oh, my God. She mm-hmm. must be so much further along than the last time I saw she her. She is. She is definitely showing <laughs> at this yeah. point. But 
she's still she's still doing her thing. She's always been a very good drummer. She's just, she's, she's just backed up from the snare. <laughs> right? just she just a has little to bit. has to give a little like an inch more or room two. for the belly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you know, and rock and roll is a good drummer song. Yeah. And that ending. No, it's a good everything. It's a good everything, and there's good drumming, good guitar, yeah. good singing. It's yeah. like it's, it's, like I said, it's a solid opener. It is. It is a great song. And Dave meant to say, "How about it?" Our pregnant drummer, right? Because it's like like saying, "Hey, even when she's pregnant, she's doing such a good job." He said, "Let's hear it for our pregnant bass player." <laughs> and the look on my face, and it was genuine, and I shit you not, was <laughs> like if the like, wrong people were here, that news would go down. Exactly. Like... <laughs> I said into the microphone, I was like. Wash your mouth out <laughs> with soap. <laughs> I said never yeah. and never. Imagine if my sister had been there. <laughs> oh my god! Which I mean would have been very possible. It's only, it sounds it's only like five a pregnancy announcement, right? Oh my god! And it would be something oh, Dave would do. He it wouldn't, is entirely something Dave he would wouldn't do. consider. Geez, I wonder if she wants to tell. No, I'll do it for her. Right. And it'll be so much better. For the record, no, I am not pregnant. No. I, I, I. I plan never to be, and if I ever am, it won't be for long. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Don't care what's got to happen, which is why abortion need, is healthcare and needs to be accessible to everybody. But anyway, yeah, I just thought that was funny. It just, I was like, excuse me? <laughs> no and never. Thank you. Uh, anyway, I thought it was just a funny a funny moment. Well, I like your uh, I like your hair teased like like that. Oh, thank you. And uh, your Friday shirt. My Friday goes, shirt goes perfect for a gig. And where my um oh, the, the rubies. rubies you bought me for mm. earrings for yeah this now this is just now turning into a personal conversation. Yeah. Okay, so. But just to show how awesome of a husband I am, I did you, buy you rubies. You did for buy our, me ruby earrings. Tenth anniversary. Yes, and there our are sixth wedding anniversary. Yes. And, 10th anniversary together. Yes. Oh, and did, we're recording today. Well, it just passed midnight, but um, on Demetrius's seventh gotchaversary. Yes. He's been, we've ha- had our lovely He's little family He's been within four. these walls, except yes. for several trips to the vet. Yes, which he hates <laughs> yes. every single time. Which he makes new noises that you, you'll never hear from him Howlings from the depth of his, yeah. depths of his soul. But, yes. uh. Yeah, he's been within these walls for seven years Aww, now. Our little family's been complete for seven years. Mm-hmm. Sweet baby. In his little sweaters. In his little sweaters, which <laughs> I, I knew everybody would love. It's, I think that's probably great. our most popular post we've ever made. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Demetrius has been over-grooming, and thus we have been trying sweaters. Yeah. You'll see in, in pictures that we've put up the last couple of yeah, months, you can, really you can see, see like how much of his fur he's chewed off so yeah. this is kind of a we need to do something yes and medication made him very yeah, made off. Him, yes yeah it was very sad actually yeah it was not fun to watch so um anyway, anyway, anyway that's how the family's going <laughs> that's, case, how, that's our family news everybody <laughs> um so for a topic do you have any idea what it is i'm guessing it's going to be about a band or something or oh okay well um what I'll give you a big hint. Uh, what did we go to see last weekend? Oh, we went to see Oppenheimer. So mm-hmm. is it is it the the Downwinders? Yes, okay. you got it. This is the story of the Downwinders. Okay. Yep. Yeah. This. I mean, once I saw that too and heard that, I'm like, yeah, somebody should do that episode. <laughs> well, it was me, and I did it. 
I didn't finish writing this intro, so I'm going to have to um, improvise the end of it. I said I was going to go back and do it, and I never did. Yeah. Anyway, so the American... Just, just fix it, fit in the lyrics to rock and roll. <laughs> it's been a long time since I rocked and rock and rolled. Been a long time since I did the stroll. Anyway. The American West and Southwest has a long history of serving as a test site for nuclear weapons. As a result, a group of people, often called the Downwinders, those who live in areas surrounding the test sites, have been exposed to dangerous levels of radiation with limited compensation for it. And we'll go into a whole bunch of stuff about this. I'm going to guess they received more threats than compensation. Well, no, what they received, which is almost or worse. Indifference. Silence, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the other, that's the, that's the ultimate weapon. Right. It's like the, they say the opposite of love isn't hate, it's, it's indifference. indifference. Yeah. yeah. So sources, primary sources for this were the Associated Press, Axios, Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, Fallout from U.S. Atmospheric Nuclear Tests in New Mexico and Nevada, 1945-1962, by Sebastian Philippe, Susan Elsner, Gilbert B. Campo, Mason Grimshaw, and Megan Smith, History.com, L.A. Times, National Geographic, the Science History Institute Museum and Library, the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium, and Wikipedia. There's no Wikipedia at the bottom of that. So. They do. Yes. Several years ago, we discussed um, nuclear testing on atolls and islands in the vast Pacific Ocean. I believe that was the Lucky Dragon 5 episode. Is that what it was called? I don't remember what it was called. I remember talking about it. Yes, because remember it was how Godzilla was born? Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we did that one like right when... It was like three years ago or something. Right when Trina and the kids moved here. Yeah, that's right, because Zachy was... Well, he still is very... That was a huge uh, Godzilla. Our nephew is still very into Godzilla. And he said a new movie is coming out, right? That he... Is it? Yes, oh, that's right. You weren't weren't with me when I saw Trina and... um, and Zach on Monday. Yeah, a Godzilla movie oh. coming out in the fall. Okay. I told him we should go see it in the fancy theater. Yes, the for sure. Yeah, but we'll get like, the again, dining seats this time. Yes, in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> this is just my the nephew likes, episode. My, my nephew loves, not likes. We Godzilla. talked about that in the Lucky I'm sure Party we have. Yeah. Um, but thanks to the popularity of the Christopher Nolan film Oppenheimer, nuclear weapons are once again a hot topic. Sure. Along with that has come an echo, uh, uh, res- has come an echo resurgence. What does that mean? Oh, oh, like, <laughs> like not understanding my own writing. An echo resurgence of discussing the effects of that testing on U.S. citizens and residents who lived or have lived near these test sites. Many are saying it is inequitable that Nolan did not discuss their plight, so we're going to get into it here. And I would actually say... That is an incredibly fair criticism. Sure. Um, yeah, it is. Oppenheimer as a film was very, very white <sighs> and very, very focused on this group of scientists, right? And it military was. personnel. From two different perspectives. Yes, yes, it was. But it was an extremely, like, white male perspective sure. and did not that's who's discuss. In, that's who's in charge it in is. 1944. And it's what Christopher Nolan is, too. Yep. So... But, uh, I mean, overall, like, the, now that I've, like, taken mm-hmm. it in after about a week mm-hmm. and watched some reviews and stuff like that, there were some things that I didn't pick up on that yeah. were important to the story later that's just kind of like, that's kind of my fault for not picking up on it. 
And uh, I don't know that it it's your fault per se. It that movie was weirdly paced. It was, but still, I don't know. But like, there were some things I was like, "Oh, that's how that ties in." Like, right. I didn't realize how important that was while I was watching the movie. Doing this research helped piece some of that together sure. for me too. But yeah. right, the reason I didn't feel that way is because you're right, because it was so oddly paced. It, like too many very quick shots. It was a frenetically paced yeah. film, which may have been an artistic choice, but I actually don't it think was. it served the story I think it was, well. I think it was for sure on purpose. I but, don't um, actually think it served the story well. Either. That's my opinion. That's like a story um, I would like to see more of a, like a straight narrative, you know. Yeah, a little bit more linear. Like, um, like that should have been directed by like, uh, I don't know. Or even the time jumping wasn't the big deal. It was the... It was the pacing. pacing it yeah. really was. And and the like, Christopher Nolan. It's okay to be quiet sometimes. You don't have to have score <laughs> yeah. for everything. Yeah. That was actually was, really distracting. It was, and uh, I'm sure it was for you. It was. Um, and also, it was like, okay, I've seen all these characters for like two hours now, but I see them in such a quick. Yeah. Like I don't get like what what are they Wait, doing? What was again? their name? Who are they talking like, about? Like I know uh-huh. he's a scientist. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know. Like I don't even remember. It's, it's, it's a Christopher Nolan film. It is a Christopher Nolan. Like you kind of know what you're, you know what you're gonna get when you're going to see one because you don't know what you're gonna get. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. That's a good, uh, a, a good. You're expecting summary. to not know, to not have seen mm-hmm. a film like this before, which I would say, held up. I've not quite seen a film like that before. That's, I would say agree with that. Doesn't mean I loved it. <laughs> right. But. Mm-hmm. So the United States performed nuclear testing from 1945 to 1992. Wow, I didn't know we were still doing it. We'll talk about that near the end, but really, under 55 different mission names. The test that started it all, as portrayed in Oppenheimer, was dubbed Trinity by Oppenheimer himself. Trinity (coughs) was part of the larger Manhattan Project, which has its roots back in 1939. So that year, Hungarian physicist Leo Zillard wrote a letter with input from fellow physicist Edward Teller, the funny-looking okay, guy, yep, right? Yep. That I'm that who she doesn't shake hands with. At yep. the end. Oh, spoiler alert! But yes, mm-hmm. and Eugene Wigner. It was signed by Albert Einstein wow. and mailed to then President Franklin Roosevelt. It's called the Einstein-Zillard letter. Uh, the letter noted that basically. Like, hey, Mr. President, just so you know, the world now has the technology to create an atomic bomb. In case it was on your mind. You know, I feel like this might be something you should have on your radar, you know. <laughs> you were a physics major, right? <laughs> right? No? Uh, the Bank- letter. <laughs> banking? Well, numbers. You'll get yeah, it. Yeah. You'll get it, Mr. President. The letter noted that essentially the... Oh, I already literally just said that. Um... It recommended, the letter recommended that the United States government stay very much on top of this new technology and to help fund the research being done on this new technology domestically. It concluded by alluding to the possibility that Nazi Germany may already be working on the atomic bomb. Sure. Because for the longest time, that was the biggest thing. They were... It was a race. With Germany, which is kind of funny in retrospect, because obviously they bombed Japan, not Germany. But But um, it was that's what the film brought back, which you kind of history you kind of forget about because we used it on Japan. But it was meant for Germany, right? They had surrendered before we were finished making it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. when we finished making it, we're like, hmm, who else we got? 
There's one country left, isn't there? Mm-hmm. The one that did a little sneak attack on us back in the day. Which is, that's my belief is why it was used. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it, it is the, sort of the definition of, um, bringing a gun to a knife fight, oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Bringing, like, all the guns. <laughs> bringing the world's guns. <laughs> yes. To, to a, a pocket knife, knife yes. fight, yes. To, like, is. I've got, um, a razor blade that kind of cuts my face. Even as, as, like sneak attack and everything as Pearl Harbor was, it is nothing compared to two nuclear bombs, two atomic bombs. That is one of the things that I think the film brought out that I'd never really thought of is after they used it, now they're doing the real scientific research of, okay, so what happened? Like there was a time when we didn't know. Yes, true. Yeah. We didn't know we had never what it, it really did because mm-hmm. exactly. And mm-hmm. to see, like, to see the to see that play out was pretty interesting. That yeah. was probably my favorite part of the film was, mm. like, yeah, there was a time when we didn't know what a nuclear weapon would do. do well, to there people. there was a time. Well, as again, spoiler alert, but the as the movie says, there is a not zero right. chance that this that could literally the whole just world. destroy the earth. That if it yeah. catches the atmosphere on fire, like yes. that might be it. Uh huh. It's remote, but it is not it's zero. Not, it is not zero. <laughs> that the chain reaction just would never stop. Yeah. Yeah, it's Super uh, fun. <laughs> it did that. It did that very well too. Let's be honest. Like the hype up and the, like the nervousness oh, to the, when they're finally going to test. I it. think the Trinity test, which is like the apex of it the is. whole story, yeah. was very well executed as yes. filmmaking. In that case, the score, the the frenetic edit- editing, actually Made worked sense. really well. Yes. But it. It's all the other. It's three hours of that. <laughs> that gets a little, a little much. Like three hours, Christopher Nolan. Come on. He's like, yes. Next time I'll like, make it. Next time I'll make it four. Like Christopher Nolan just needs to turn into Ken Burns and just do like series of. Things. How much fun would it be though if Ken Burns turned into Christopher Nolan? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be something. That'd, that'd be an awesome mashup. Oh my goodness! All right. Um, so the letter also discussed geographical sources of uranium, or obviously important, uh, to nuclear, uh, energy, including Canada, what they called, quote, the former Czechoslovakia, end quote, I don't know what that would be, have been in 1939, but anyway, and what they identified as, I quote, think, I think they mean it was Czechoslovakia in 1939, now it's No, no, the no, 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 in oh, the really? letter, it refers oh, really? to the former Czechoslovakia. Okay. Yeah, I read the letter. It says, oh, okay. it's a short letter, and it says that, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what it would have been, yeah. I don't know. And, quote, the most important source of uranium, end quote, which was the Congo, then known as the Belgian Congo, uh, because it was under Belgian control. The letter was signed on August 2nd, 1939, just one month before Germany's invasion of Poland. The letter was not actually delivered to Roosevelt until October, and Roosevelt responded by creating the Advisory Committee on Uranium, which began liaising with physicists and offering some funding. So he was basically following the letter's recommendations. Sure. He acted on it. Things escalated when Germany invaded Belgium in May sure. 1940, because now it's like, oh shit, are they going to have access? And I, um, I didn't add this in here, but the um, president of one of, of like the largest uranium mining companies in the Bel- what was then called the Belgian Congo 
secreted away half of their uranium in like Staten Island to like get it out of potential German hands. Sure. Which was interesting. I found an interesting side story. But anyway, um, the National Defense Research Committee, the NDRC, was then formed. That kind of supplanted the advisory committee. And then in June 1941, the NDRC itself was absorbed by the Office of Scientific Research and Development, or OSRE. In January 1942, because we're talking literally like three weeks after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, um, which motivated the United States' official entrance into World December War II. December 7th, 19, 1941. Uh-huh. Yeah. A day which will live in infamy. In infamy. Mm-hmm. Roosevelt authorized the United States government's atomic bomb project. So literally, we got bombed like four, three, four weeks later, we were working on a bomb. The bomb. <laughs> um, the bomb. Uh-huh. This is and not in this is the bomb sense. Yeah. <laughs> not da bomb. Not Jesse Pinkman's. Not bomb. the bomb.com. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> you remember that shit. <laughs> anyway. Um, by that summer, Roosevelt signed off on a total budget of ninety million dollars for fiscal year nineteen forty three. So this is just one year of funding for this project, right? That's close to one point seven billion dollars when adjusted for inflation. Uh, the two main centers for early atomic bomb research were Columbia University, where Enrico Fermi and Sillard were, and the University of Chicago. Because of the Columbia connection, the atomic bomb project was dubbed the Manhattan Project, officially formed at the end of 1942. What was different about this project was the involvement of the U.S. military, specifically the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Mm. So, you know, it had been a science project, a research project, and now they're like, we're getting the military involved. And the head of the project was not a scientist, but rather a U.S. Army colonel named Matt Damon. No. (laughs) He plays this guy in the movie. (laughs) Leslie R. Groves. Matt Damon. (laughs) Was it... (laughs) Todd Damon, you call Jesse Plemons Todd yes, Damon. Yes, Todd Damon from uh, the the one Black Mirror episode, the one mm-hmm. that was like a Star Trek. That's right. Mm-hmm. Episode, yeah, because he he did le- kind of looked like he looked like a mix between Matt Damon and Todd from his character in Breaking Bad. Whose character? Oh, Jesse yes, Plemons' yes. character. So yes, I gotcha. That's why I called him Todd Damon. <laughs> that's so funny. Wasting no time. On January 1st, 1943, Groves put theoretical physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer in charge of Project Y, which was the creation of a laboratory and testing facility in Los Alamos, New Mexico, outside of Santa Fe. Groves selected Los Alamos because of its location. It was at least 200 miles from an international border and west of the Mississippi River, but also because Oppenheimer suggested it, having spent some of his childhood in the area. Over the next two and a half years, thousands of people worked at the laboratory under strict security until the time came for the world's first nuclear test named Trinity. Mm. 
Over the few years it took to get from the Einstein letter to Trinity, it's not like everyone was just go okay going full tilt towards the inevitability of nuclear testing without any further consideration. So there's, uh, there's the whole, and this is what I think the movie was addressing, there's the whole um, ethics behind even creating the atomic bomb in the first place, right? It was here and there, yeah. Yeah, but... What I'm saying is there were some people who were concerned about even just testing. Oh, and potential, of course. Yeah, issues from yeah. testing. So even in the early days, in March 1940, physicists Otto Frisch and Rudolf Pyles, both of whom went to work on, went on to work on the Manhattan Project, wrote a memo that included a warning about the need to ensure that a, quote, danger area should be measured and established to protect people from being exposed to unnecessary radiation. So at this point, we haven't used radiation in a way no, that this... Not on a scale like there's this. Not there's not a thing called nuclear fallout right. Right at this point. There's nothing to compare it to. Mm -hmm. this, is the, this is quite literally yes. the first time ever. Mm -hmm. they, Which um, is, that's got to be the, the scariest fucking... Right. <laughs> it wasn't like, I mean... There was a more than 0% chance that it could catch yeah. the atmosphere on, on mm -hmm. fire. Mm -hmm. They also had strong words of warning about the bomb altogether, writing, quote, Owing to the spread of radioactive substances with the wind, the bomb could probably not be used without killing a large number of civilians, and this may make it unsuitable as a weapon for use by this country. Yeah. End quote. Plus, they were all doing this math long form. There was yes, no, they were. There was mm -hmm. no computer to be, mm -hmm. for this to be done on. Yeah. So they were. They literally created the math yeah. to create the physics, to create the... I mean, they created a million different things while making this thing. <clears throat> it is kind of amazing that it didn't just set the world... Literally set the world on fire. Um, <laughs> Not true in Terminator 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yes. <laughs> Uh, much later, just a month before the Trinity test, radiologist James Nolan, no no relation, I don't think, to yeah. <laughs> Christopher, presented a report to Colonel Groves outlining the dangers of nuclear fallout from the bomb and putting forth possible safety measures, including the evacuation of nearby areas. Yeah. Groves' response to Nolan was, quote, what are you, some kind of Hearst propagandist? <laughs> so that's wow, guys, we're in, yeah. We're in a different time, yeah. aren't we? Yes. <laughs> yes. Physicist Joseph Hirschfelder also made some calculations about the possible fallout from Trinity, which he reported to Oppenheimer, and it estimated that radiation could make 100 square kilometers, a little shy of 40 square miles, completely uninhabitable. Despite Grove's dismissal of radiation dangers, the physicists involved in the Manhattan Project were well aware of potential problems from nuclear fallout. So much so, I wish, unless they did put it in the movie and I was either, I went to the bathroom during it or um, I was out at the restroom or um, I just didn't catch it. But this, I don't think they put this in the movie. A few months before the Trinity test, Oppenheimer himself approved experimenting on people by injecting hospital patients with plutonium. 
Yeah, I don't think that did make the film. <laughs> to discover its effects on the human body. Literally, yeah. injecting people with plutonium. Between 1945 and 1947, a total of 18 people were injected with plutonium without their knowledge or consent. Yeah. Which is fucked up. <laughs> hey. A public apology. To, to make an omelet. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. A but, uh, yeah. that, does, that does not surprise me at all. A public apology was finally made by the United States government in 1995 when President Bill hey, Clinton formally acknowledged better it. Better late than never. I mean, also at this time we had Japanese Americans as prisoners. That's true. That's true. So it is. It tracks. Injecting <laughs> injecting 18 people with plutonium, like I I consider that to be like on the downside. <laughs> right. Oh, it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> what was going on? Really, just eighteen? Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's less than twenty. <laughs> it's less than twenty. The location of the Trinity test was based on the incredibly obvious fact that you, the U.S. government needed a secure, remote, flat, and still location sure. to test a literally untested new weapon. And that's the other thing too, like when, <laughs> when they're bringing it there, and I'm like. The trucks at that time, yes. like, there's no way they had, like, any sort of, like, real stability. Like, Shock absorber. Not compared to, like, now, and I'm like, they just, they're just, oh, just an atomic bomb. We're just gonna, we're gonna go over rocks and, like, maybe down a quarry. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> like, the whole time, you're like, like, what if it goes off, like, yes. right here? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's fucking nuts. It is pretty wild. The site that was chosen was the Federal Land... In the Jordana del Muerto, uh, which translates as the yeah. Dead Man's Journey I was going to say, I know, I know Muerto is death. Mm-hmm. And Tularosa Basin, known as, so the site was called the White Sands Proving Grounds. The surrounding area outside of the desert and Holloman Air Force Base was home to people who primarily lived off the land as farmers and ranchers. No one lived within a 10-mile radius of the actual test site. Sure. But that's not saying much. This area is not as remote as you would think. No. Uh, over a little over a hundred people did live within a twenty mile radius, and that number just increases the farther <laughs> you go out. But they're like eighteen of them are getting plutonium. Yeah, jeez, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see what it does to the other eighty-two. With an estimated population of almost 150,000 people living within a 100-mile radius of the test site. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. Those who lived the closest were mostly poorer farming and ranching families, many of whom were Latinx and indigenous. Wait, they didn't do it near a golf course? <laughs> You're kidding, right? Um, and I just want to note, um, I'm going to... Uh, just kind of note that I'm not sure what the correct term would be here. A lot of um, language I read used the the term Hispanic, which I know some people do identify as Hispanic. Some people prefer Latinx or Latino. Um, but um, that I don't think that's necessarily going to come up again. I just am not trying to be exclusionary, exclusionary or disrespectful in my language anyway. Um, <clears throat> no civilians were told of the Trinity test. Or evacuated prior to it. I'm not even sure. I, <clears throat> I'm not even sure if Truman knew about it because I think it was tested while FDR was still alive. No. No. July Do 16th. I have that? Oh, you're. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. No one will get to that in a second. I'm thinking Truman did not know as vice president. That's what I'm thinking of. While he, it he was had, being developed, he had no idea hmm. until he became president. Okay. 
So yeah, they did not tell anybody. No. There was no advanced warning, no evacuations, no relocations, nothing. We're about to test the most powerful weapon on Earth. Here's some plutonium. The, my favorite thing is it's like, you think people aren't going to notice? People definitely did. <laughs> oh, like, they did. We, We're we, going to get to yeah, that. We're going to get to yeah, that. Yeah, we know that. So in consideration of fallout, meteorologists on the Trinity Project advised, advised that the best window for the test was between July 18th and July 21st, at which point the weather would be the clearest and with the least, but certainly not no, opportunity to spread the fallout. But the Potsdam Conference, which we've mentioned before as the point where Allied powers hammered out how to slice and dice post-war Europe, was scheduled to begin on July 17th, and then President Harry Truman wanted to have some splashy news for his fellow world leaders. Because of this, the test was pulled into 4 a.m. local time on Monday, July 16th, 1945. Despite the test site being in the literal desert, it does sometimes still rain, and rain it did in the early morning which hours the, of July 16th, causing a slight delay in the test. Which was the craziest thing. You're like, you're like, oh, they're only doing this for the movie. It's like, no. It's <clears> no, like, it, it did happen. Like, this is really happening. Like It, it absolutely did happen. Not like sprinkled. It straight up it downpoured. Rained. They were concerned about lightning even. Of course. They were afraid it was going to hit, like, hit the ball. Of course. Hit the Yes. Well, they there, were. there's the test. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it can't stand up to lightning as we found out. <laughs> Um, so just before 5.30 a.m. on July 16th, 1945, the United States detonated the first nuclear bomb on its own soil. One meteorologist later wrote of the timing of this test, quote, right in the middle of a period of thunderstorm. What son of a bitch could have done this? (laughs) Because they were like, this is perfect timing. They'll, They'll just think this is like a thunderclap. Jesus. Or like, or like, they won't even know what it is because it, maybe it won't register. You know, I mean, they were definitely <clears throat> trying to track the weather with it because they wanted to do it before, and they kept. Well, they wanted to do it at four a.m. Yes, that was the time, and they kept it having was to delay delayed about an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which is around four hundred fifty people were present at the mm. test site. I mean, not at like right. ground zero, a little no. bit of ways. Um, at the but <laughs> at least they were, they were the, that smart. They're like. We're going to be five miles (laughs) away. But the people, the 450 people knew about the test and were witnessing it, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, But they were not the only witnesses. Plenty of people were close enough and the bomb was strong enough that they thought it was the end of the world. Like some people literally said, I thought this is like Armageddon. The other thing too, like if you're, um, if you're from a place that has like hills and like trees and things like that, you're like, how could you see for that far? This is the I've, desert. Yeah. I've been in like this part of the earth and mm-hmm. it is so fucking strange mm-hmm. because everything is flat except mm-hmm. for like mountains, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it looks like they're like right there, but they're like six miles away. Right. It's so crazy. Yeah. You can't see. You can't see a couple hundred yards, like, in any direction of where we really live. You can't even really see up the road <laughs> no. that we live in because of the hill. Because of the hill. Yeah. yeah. No. Like, uh-huh. in this part of the world, mm-hmm. you can literally see for miles. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, it, which might be weird for some, if you've never experienced it before, might be weird for some people to hear, but you literally just can see in any direction. But it's funny to just think, oh, nobody will notice. No. <laughs> it's only 20 miles away. <laughs> We're so, going to hang out five miles away. We'll be fine. 
we'll be good. <laughs> it's good from here. Yeah, so uh, the witnesses saw a huge bright flash and the infamous mushroom cloud from the detonation with the energy close to 20, equivalent to close to 25 kilotons of TNT. Uh, the cloud rose an estimated 38,000 feet. That's really high. Seven miles or well, 11 that's, that's, kilometers. Or like, or cruising altitude, basically. Yeah, yes. Into the air, <laughs> although some Jesus other Christ. estimates have it actually reaching much higher. The bomb's shock waves shattered windows in Silver City 180 miles or 290 kilometers Don't from the it. test site. And imagine if we had satellites back then, which we yep. didn't have. Like, imagine a satellite pointing down and being like, okay, you're going to capture this from what it looks like from space. Or a space that thing, shuttle. Mm-hmm. That thing probably fucking did make it to there space. Is, they, I read uh, that theoretically the the atomic bomb would have been visible from the moon. I, I fucking don't so, doubt yeah. it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, obviously, this was a ways before that even was a possibility to see, but... One teenager who was at a camp in Ridoso, New Mexico, named Barbara Kent, said, quote, All of a sudden, there was a big cloud overhead and lights in the sky. It hurt our eyes. Oh, my. Yeah. Yep. Yes. It was as if the sun came out tremendous. Yes. The whole sky turned strange, end oh quote. God. So you can see why people were like, yes. I'm sorry, what, is this the second coming of Christ? And I think, weren't the early tests, like, something like, it was as hot as the sun, or some shit like that? Yes, I think more, I think Or hotter. hotter. Yeah, than the surface of the sun, yeah. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, so she just, so she described it perfectly. Yes, it turned parts of the sand at the site of the explosion into glass. Yes. It melted the sand. sand. Yes. That's insane. Yes, it, it Apparently it, it takes the sun to do that. Yes. <laughs> that same girl, along with her fellow campers, saw white flakes start to fall from the sky a few hours later. She said later that they were like, oh, it's snow, but then it was hot oh, to God. the touch. It's probably like fucking like graphite and shit that's like... It's nuclear fallout yeah. is what it is. Is, it, it yeah. is. it is nuclear fallout. Oh. Um, they played in it like snow because they didn't. Why would they know of what it was? Because nobody could this tell them. This is the world's first <laughs> nuclear fallout. Yeah. Nobody's nobody ever. Knew that. N- nobody was telling them, and nobody knew what it would look like. Nobody except for four hundred and fifty people, and they sure as shit yep. weren't going to show up and be like, "Hey, don't play in the in the in the radioactive." Or snow. they were like, "Get them some plutonium." <laughs> yeah, right. Because we think that's going to work. Oh my god. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know if it did or it didn't. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> just probably giving people boots on just probably isn't the best thing. I don't think so. Going out I, on a limb. I, I do not think so. <laughs> uh, so, the, so they were, they played in it like snow, not knowing that what they were playing in was ash from nuclear fallout, an estimated 230 tons worth. <sighs> About 80% of the plutonium in the bomb didn't fission. Meaning, <clears throat> it Correct. went out it's, into the atmosphere. It, yes, yes. Um, that you know they call it uh, the world's first dirty bomb, which uh, is sure. what it was. Yeah. Um, one local resident, Henry Herrera, who was then eleven years old, later said, "Quote: My mother had just hung her white clothes on the clothesline, and god dang, you should have seen the god dang dust that rolled all over town." End quote. Mm-hmm. The ash continued to fall for days. Coated buildings, plants, 
rivers, and animals. Oh, sure. Yeah. Many farm animal, animals and family pets died in this immediate aftermath. Jeez. They were like the first casualties, sure. basically. The evening of the test, it rained again, likely contaminating untold mm-hmm. amounts of drinking water with radioactive material. Yep. And in this in this area, it's you know generally a rural area. People had open cisterns that they oh, used for water. Of course, so yeah. they were drinking, yep, bathing, yep, and cooking with this water. Mm-hmm. That was highly radioactive. Wait, do people use water for like multiple things? <laughs> somebody should tell somebody. Yeah. Even after the test, the government wouldn't say what happened. Fuck no. Obviously, people wanted to know. They're like, hey, excuse me, what was that end of the world like explosion? The initial line was, oh, there was an explosion at a local dump. Like, oh, sure. Yeah, well, that, you that's know, it. That's, you know. They also planted the story. You could, you could literally have said anything. Well, they, they also planted the story that it was a munitions plant explosion. Sure. That'd be the most obvious thing to right? say. Despite the ash falling and the very real concern about fallout, no evacuation procedures were enacted after the test. Let's just say, like, <laughs> somebody, like, wearing a hat, like, checked up on those people every now and then. Oh, no, no we're going to get to their attempts to measure this it is in just a second on august 6th 1945 the true nature of the explosion in new mexico on july 16th was revealed when hiroshima japan was bombed by the united states though only by the residents putting two and two together they were not specifically told it was just more like oh wait experience the same thing (laughs) that looks exactly like what we saw yeah um Despite clear evidence of the effects of radiation on the population of Japan, the United States Army held the line that any concerns of nuclear fallout as a result of Trinity was enemy propaganda. The government did not disclose to residents the composition of the fallout in the area, nor did it track any health effects on locals. In contrast, long-term effects of radiation and survivors in Japan were well-funded by the United States. So they were testing people in Japan, following up with people in Japan. They had a whole population that they completely ignored on U.S. soil. Yeah. The attempts to track the radiation from Trinity after the test were, at best, ineffective, and at worst, completely useless. They, so... Okay, guys, we need to track... Once this bomb explodes, we need to track the fallout. You know what they decided to do? Use spotlights to look at the ash to see how it fell. For miles and miles and miles, that's not what they... They they did not see it, right? Um, You can guess how well that went. Trying to track 230 tons of fallout. Well, that's the only thing. High in the atmosphere, being blown by the wind. And you know what? There's no equipment to do that with because this is the first time you're having to do that. That's true. There probably wasn't a, uh, what is it called, a dosimeter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or maybe this is why they invented a dosimeter. I mean, this is, this is, like, the further you dive into this, like, what went on, Mm -hmm. the fucking crazier it is. I know. I mean, really. They could have brought the end of the world, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they also have these things, they're, uh, film badges, they're called, that show if there's radiation exposure. Yes. Um, 
in that uh, Stephen King book that was turned into a movie about the assassination of JFK. Uh, 11, 22, 63 or whatever? Yes. The oh. one guy, the one older guy that kept warning the guy was wearing like a card in his hat. That was a radiation card. Oh. Like if it turned a certain color. Yeah. Okay, it, it, yeah. So that's probably what, this is yes. something similar. So they handed out mm-hmm. film badges to local post office, mm-hmm. offices prior to the test. Didn't tell them what it was for or right. what to do with them. So they were useless. Yeah. It's like, well, what's, why are you giving me this? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? It, it's <laughs> they're ridiculous. Like, no. They're like, nope, my walls are already white. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> do you want me to frame <laughs> this? What are we doing? <laughs> Is uh, this film to develop? What do you want me to do Did with I win this? something? Did I win? <laughs> was I the fifth customer today? Oh, my God. The personnel put uh, put on the assignment to track the fallout weren't always the best and brightest either. One commanding officer called the whole thing a, quote, waste of time, end quote. And another soldier, okay, there was a soldier, working on tracking the nuclear fallout, right? He couldn't find his respirator. Oh, Jesus. But it's okay, because he improvised by breathing through a slice of bread. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean... (laughs) Some of those, I don't think it's going to help you with radiation, some of those, Hey, some of those Italian loaves are really <laughs> thick. <laughs> All you got to do is cut a hole in the front of it. Yeah, I mean, 1945 yeah. life hack. And you have like a little bite every now and then. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it also serves as a snack. Exactly. It'll get you through. The poor attempts to properly track the fallout of Trinity probably also has something to do with the motivation behind it. Rather than health, rather than health and safety being number one, it appears the U.S. government higher-ups were more concerned about potential litigation, instructing radiation monitoring personnel to, quote, keep as complete notes as possible in any court proceeding. It is necessary to have your original data, end quote. So they just were trying to, their very, like, pitiful efforts were just to cover their ass, not sure. to try and protect people. Here's another, like, fun fact about this area. This is also, like, the beginning of science fiction. Like once, yeah, true. once the bomb gets why. out. And exactly. Yeah. Like there were dudes like rolling up in this town that nobody had ever seen before and that like looked kind of funny and then they left. So mm-hmm. yeah. This Much- is where all like the government conspiracy and there's UFOs right. and this is when all that shit got started mm-hmm. too. Plus, like if you're getting like dosed with radiation you may not be the most mentally stable i don't know like if you literally like saw the sun like saw it it was like right in Uh front of me and now like there's weird people around well there's reason to be paranoid let's put it that way yeah yeah much more accurate measures of what happened after trinity weren't completed until uh 60 well until many years later in 65 years after the fact so 2010, Mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, published a report about the fallout, and it showed that the cloud of radiation distributed by the test divided into three parts in the atmosphere. One that headed east, one that headed west-northwest, and one that headed northeast. It is estimated that the area covered by the debris was 100 miles, or 160 kilometers long, and 30 miles, or 48 kilometers wide, covering about 3,000 square miles, or 4,800 square kilometers. So to a degree, they did catch the atmosphere on fire. No, it, it did not incinerate. It was I, I understand. Uh, but I know but what you're saying, a little yes. more metaphorically. Yes. 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 And we'll get to more of that. Yes. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I'm pretty sure we covered in our Lucky Dragon 5 episode how excessive radiation is extremely dangerous to the human oh, body. Basically, yeah. it messes with the cells of the body, mm. causing changes to its molecules or even directly to its DNA. It's Those, not good. No, and, and cancer is, is often like the biggest risk. Yes. Those who were exposed to radiation from Trinity, as I said, were not notified of the potential exposure. There was no notice, no option to evacuate, nothing. And even after they had been exposed without their knowledge or consent, the United States government not only didn't provide any assistance for health effects from radiation, they didn't even acknowledge that there were any risks to those who had been exposed. They just, like, literally deny, deny, deny. They're like, those people will just randomly see a weird guy in a hat from now on. Right. The people around and downwind of the Trinity test site have experienced high incidence of health effects from their radiation exposure, especially cancer. Measuring the impact is basically impossible, both due to the lack of properly measuring the fallout and poor record keeping in, at the time. Over time, the people who were exposed to high level of, levels of radiation due to the Trinity test became known as the downwinders. But they weren't the only ones. Well, it would be nice to think that the U.S. government learned its lesson. When has it ever? <laughs> Dur- uh, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. What? Learn? Do you, do you have a source for that? <laughs> <laughs> During the Cold War, nuclear testing only grew in number and location of tests. Between 1945 and 1962, 101 atmospheric nuclear tests were conducted. Yes. <laughs> 94 of which created a mushroom cloud. Like, what were you trying to get, like, in the 97th one that you didn't get in the 96th one? Right. Or, like, the 54th one? Like, like... I like, don't know. Fucking really. Like, I mean... Uh, because of how the atmosphere works, this unleashed all sorts of radiation across the country <laughs> and for, the world. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, But the highest concentrations of radiation were found, of course, closest to the test sites. One of the most active of these test sites, actually the most active, was the Nevada test site, just 65 65 miles northwest of Las Vegas. Didn't, like, our tour guide mention that? Did he? I don't remember. Remember when we went to... I do remember going to the Hoover Dam. I think he did, like, bring it up, like, jokingly. Saying something like, if we go... Further north, we'll see a nuclear holocaust. Or like, oh, wow. He said something in passing. Really? Okay. Because we were in that part of the world where like, yes. this fucking yes. shit was going on, apparently. Yeah. Uh-huh. Apparently, uh, what was it? 90, how many tests? A hundred and, a hundred. A hundred, exactly. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll get into, okay. Yeah. The, because, this site... because somebody got a free hot dog when we hit a hundred nuclear <laughs> tests. The site, so the Nevada test site produced a hundred announced atmospheric nuclear <laughs> announced. tests. I know. I always I do want to put that in there. Between 1951 and 1962. Yeah. The tests, this is really perverted, were set up as a sort of form of entertainment. They encouraged people who lived nearby <laughs> to sit outside and watch. <laughs> oh, no. I shit you not. Here's, here's, uh. here's one better. In 1953, they even set up one test to blow up houses filled with mannequins so you could see what it would look like. And they filmed it. <laughs> see what you it would look like hey, if people were actually hey, destroyed. If you and your family blew up, this is what it would look exactly. like. Exactly. They, they called it Doom Town. 
this think, little yeah, village they set up of mannequins. They did that in like one of the Indiana Jones movies, like Jesus. the one that was horrible. Um, <laughs> Wait, that, that got oh, that's right. Down. There's a new one. The, the first one that was horrible. <laughs> but uh, the, I mean, that's just. Oh, but but don't worry. You know what they gave spectators? Popcorn? Film badges. Oh, there you yes, go. Yes, the radiation badges and to collect data on yeah. radiation exposure. Uh, so, yeah, they, the internet and cell phones didn't exist, so you couldn't track them that way. Oh, but it's okay. They, they, they broadcast some of them on TV. <laughs> Jesus. They sure did. Then, President John F. Kennedy signed a moratorium on atmospheric nuclear testing <laughs> yeah. in 1963. He's like, I think we got it. He's well, like, no. <laughs> this literally drove the testing underground. Oh, Jesus. Where the Nevada test site no. conducted a total of 820 Eight underground nuclear tests. That's way too many. The last nuclear weapons test took place on September 23rd, 1992. <laughs> what the fuck? A week later, Daddy Bush signed a moratorium on all nuclear weapons testing that is still in place today. Uh-huh. Yeah, so um, it's been only 31 years since we stopped nuclear testing, so that's that's interesting. Uh, In addition to New Mexico and Nevada, there is concern about exposure in Washington due to the Hanford site, a nuclear production complex, which opened in 1943 and was fully decommissioned by 1971. And then, of course, there were also tests in the Marshall Islands. Those are the ones Mm -hmm. we talked about in Lucky Dragon 5. Those aren't the only sites where nuclear contamination and radiation exposure are a concern. They're just the largest. So while the downwinders have known for years that their proximity to these test sites have put their and their family's health at great risk, it took years for the effects to be properly researched and the results published. The Journal of American Medicine published a study in 1990 that found that those who lived in Utah near the Nevada test site were almost eight times more at risk for developing leukemia before the age of 19. Hmm, Yeah. In the late 90s, the National Cancer Institute, the NCI, found that the Nevada testing site, test site, may have caused an additional 212,000 cases of thyroid cancer. That's how many there, and they they think it's an underestimate, but that's, like, in other words, if the test site hadn't been a test site, 212 fewer cases of, (laughs) 212,000 Fewer cases of thyroid cancer. Yeah. Yeah. The CDC and NCI found that anyone who has ever lived in the continental United States since 1951 has been exposed to radiation from nuclear fallout (laughs) as a result of the nuclear testing conducted (laughs) by the government. They did 800 and what? Like 43? So 929 total uh, tests. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's why we're kind kind of larger too. Since then. (laughs) Or mutants. Yes. (laughs) So while numbers are important, it's incredibly important not to lose sight of the fact that these are people. And people (laughs) generationally who have been fucked. Yeah. Right? Who Um, had thyroid cancer. Well, like just Uh, for example, right? Um, And it's not a small number of people. And they've been devastated and their families have been devastated by nuclear testing in the United States. Here are some of their accounts. Barbara Kent, remember I mentioned her? Mm-hmm. She played with her friends in the fallout snow that they yeah. didn't know wasn't snow. The lovely fallout snow. 
She said that by the time she was 30 years old, she was the only one of her campers, fellow campers, to be alive. Oh, my God. She's the only one who survived. And she also experienced endometrial cancer and skin oh, of, cancer. of course. Yeah. Henry Herrera, who I mentioned before, wrote this account. So he was 11 at when Trinity happened. These are, by the way, these are um, Trinity people that I'm about to talk about. Not, okay, not sure. even the Nevada Testament sure. people, just the original people from uh, the area surrounding Trinity. Uh, so Henry Herrera wrote this account when he was 81 years old. Quote, this filth landed all over our town, covered our village with radiation. It was on our roofs, our gardens, milk cows, rabbits, pigs, oh, turkeys, yeah. and chickens. Our water was contaminated because all we had was rainwater from the cistern and ditch water. Yeah. Everything we consumed was filled with radiation. At the age of 63, I became ill with cancer. I've lost my brother, a nephew, and a niece to cancer. Two sisters were cancer survivors. End quote. Hmm. Henry himself had cancer of the salivary gland, and he had to have extensive surgery affecting his teeth and jaw. Oh, sure. He wasn't old enough to be covered by Medicare. And he and his wife had to cover their dental costs completely, plus a 20% medical co-payment, yeah. plus paying for travel to and from Albuquerque for Henry's cancer treatments. Sure. Henry's wife, Gloria, wrote, quote, After Henry's cancer treatment, we found out about two people that have died of the same cancer Henry had. Why did they die? They did not have insurance or a way to get to Albuquerque. No, I mean, they, no, it's because they didn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Responsible Obviously. straps. Yeah, I mean, it's that sounds like a lack of uh, personal responsibility to me. Like, if you can't suddenly come up with tens of thousands of dollars and all of a sudden move to a new place, then that's pretty much on you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being so morally bankrupt that you believe that? Because <laughs> well, there, there are people. Are people there are people who do. that I don't know if they believe it or not, but there are plenty of people that fucking sell that shit. They sure do. Mm -hmm. Some of them believe it, that's for yeah. sure. Uh, here's an account from Margie uh, Huiles Trujillo, a third-generation native of Tularosa and a cancer survivor. Quote, there were nine members in my family, six of us had cancer, and three died from this horrific disease. There are several members of my extended family that have also died from this disease, and there are third and fourth generation members who are fighting it now, end quote. So to be clear, this is still going on. This is still affecting people sure. multi-generationally. Edna K. Hinkle wrote about her grandparents, Dick and Geneva Wood Gilliland, who were on their ranch 27 miles outside of the Trinity test site on July 16th, 1945. Both Dick and Geneva died of non-cancer causes, but their children and grandchildren were affected by the radiation. Just within this family, including like the kids, their spouses, and their kids, 16 people had cancer, and 8 of those 16 died from their illness. That's fucking... That's, that's nuts. Yep. Edna recounted that her parents, aunt, and uncle all walked around the Trinity test site at some point after testing not realizing the radioactivity of the site. She said the area was fenced off, but the gate was open. Edna had not yet been born, but was one of the cancer survivors in her family. Her cousin Shirley had not yet been born uh, to Edna's aunt after the, un, until after the radiation exposure, and Shirley was born with no eyes. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, because as we know, radiation can cause birth defects too. <laughs> And pregnancy wait, complications. Wait, you're just, I know, right? Do you, do you have a source? Do you have a source for that? Mela Armijo wrote, "Quote: 
Our family has suffered greatly from cancer. This is this is a horrific one. My mother died of pancreatic cancer. My father from stomach cancer. I also had two sisters that died of pancreatic cancer no. and a brother of pancreatic cancer. Isn't that Patrick Swayze died yes, from he too? Did. I he thought did. so. Two of my nephews died of pancreatic cancer and a niece of stomach. Yeah, cancer. that's like and one. Oh. I know that's one of the one of the one cancers where like if you get diagnosed well, with that. Well, like, the problem with pancreatic cancer is it it generally isn't caught until very late stages. After it's already spread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a, a not treatable, yeah. Yeah. Alex Chavez wrote, quote, We always had a cistern. That was the only water we had. We used this water to drink and wash with, what? and my mother used it to cook. No one ever told us not to drink it. No one ever told us anything about the bomb, period. Well, I mean, quote. they should have put on their bootstraps and become physicists and just learned that they couldn't drink it. Right, I it's mean, land of opportunity. I don't see what was holding them up from that. They were very close to the bomb site, mm-hmm. so they could have just hung with those other phys- physicists at the bar. So I end quoted a little too soon. There's this quote from yeah. Alex Chavez goes on. I had skin cancer. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. My brother Ernest died of lung cancer. Two of my daughters were diagnosed with breast cancer, one at the age of 34, Annie, and the other at the age of 40, Andrea. Annie died when she was 38. My other two daughters have issues with tumors in their breasts as well. My sister Cecilia and her daughter have thyroid problems, end quote. Mm. Gayla Bradbury wrote that her parents both died of cancer and, quote, 22 relatives total have either died from cancers or still suffer cancers. This is not a normal amount of occurrence, right? No. It is not, unfortunately, entirely unusual for families to be affected by cancer. One, maybe, in an extended family. Two, maybe, in an extended family. This is, like, more depressing than, like, a really depressing, like, zombie apocalypse film where like everybody yes. you know is turned into a zombie at some point everybody and you're like, you know is getting cancer and you're like one of the last ones that yeah. hasn't but instead of that it's we're replacing that with cancer yeah like i mean yeah it's fucking nuts it is it's reminding me i can't remember what it's called man what, um something about that uh, anyway it was that documentary i watched on uh, west virginia a while ago and it was just like you came away from watching that documentary like if you live in west virginia there's like a 100% chance you're going to get cancer. From the, the coal From mining. all the fucking shit in the atmosphere yeah. and just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's going to get black lung. Not yeah. just not just the people going down not in the, the mines. Miners, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's gross. So of course we know. <laughs> so give them a tax break. Well, let's talk about it. So we yeah. know logically that the downwinders were harmed by the United States government and studies have backed it up. So what has the government done to compensate these victims? Very little yeah. is the answer. In 1990, the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act, or RICO, was put into place. Senator Ted Kennedy had tried to enact this type of legislation back in 1979, but it took over a decade to finally get it passed as law under Daddy Bush. The act was set to expire several times, but was extended multiple times Um, And in some instances, amended. As of this recording, it is set to expire in one year, in July 2024. The compensation set forth for downwinders who file a successful claim have not changed in 33 years since the act was passed. No indexing for inflation. No accounting for inflation at all. So it provides $50,000 to those residing or working downwind of the Nevada test site. That's going to be important. 
$75,000 for workers who participated in atmospheric nuclear weapons testing, and $100,000 for uranium miners, millers, and ore transporters. Now you may notice that one group is glaringly absent from those allowed compensation. Anyone who lived around the Trinity test site. It's the Nevada test site Where? only. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Who? The Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium has worked for years to try to get the original downwinders, including in compens included in compensation eligibility under RECA, though that has still not happened. This is what what the how many years ago was 78? 78 years. I was going to say almost 80 years. Yeah. And this legislation has been enacted for 33 years. Yeah. And these people who were the first victims of all of this are not getting compensated, not included in this scheme. Yeah. I mean. Uh... Tina Cordova, co-founder of the consortium, said, quote, New Mexico has been asked to do so much. We bear the brunt of this, and they still won't recognize that we were the first people to be exposed to radiation from an atomic bomb, and no one has looked back. I mean, the, and, like, the thing is, like, the more you kind of, to a degree, understand government spending, chipping off this region, like, a billion dollars would be like nothing. It'd be like finding 10 cents, yeah. like, in your pocket. And that would just, it wouldn't solve everything, obviously, mm -hmm. but it would all right, we're going to build a new infrastructure. We're going to get everybody health care mm -hmm. so that we can cut this off little by little. Well, and that's like, you know? Rika isn't even about health care, right? Sure. It's like it's a one-time sure payment. I'm it is sure, a one-time payment. sure it was like, if your $50,000 cancer treatment like costs $50,000, like, sorry, but here's like 300 bucks. Well, so. That's the best we could do. So the Rika is still, is in place. It is highly problematic. So yeah. for one thing, like I said, the compensation amounts have remained stagnant for over 30 years. Yeah. $50,000 back in 1990 is over $115,000 now. Dollars now. Yeah. I was just going to say double, but it's a little it's, over it's, that. Yeah, it's yeah. more than double. Another problem is the narrow paperwork requirements for compensation. For widows to be compensated for the deaths of their husbands who are minors, they're required to show marriage certificates or marriage licenses. A lot of pe these people, these widows, are from the Navajo Nation. They don't have a standard marriage license because they're under a sovereign nation. Correct. They're under yeah. their own nation's yeah. they're rules, not under, right? They're not under American federal law. They're not law. Ameri under American federal law, exactly. But they are but they highly are. entitled. Kinda. Well, they're highly entitled yeah. to this money. Sure. Um, a workaround was implemented but remained difficult, and many people fully entitled to compensation under RICA have been turned down over the years. As of January 2023, just over 40,000 claims for compensation under RICA have been approved for total compensation paid of almost $2.6 billion. While it's impossible to know for sure just how many people living in the United States were harmed or killed by their own government's testing of nuclear weapons, it is very likely that it is far Far more than 40000 oh, And for sure, they deserve a lot more than $2.6 billion. Yeah. It's also easy to see that those who have been affected for generations by the invasion of the Trinity test are well beyond qualified to receive compensation. Not to mention a gigantic and extremely public acknowledgement of the time when the United States government set off the world's first atomic bomb on its own soil, 
poisoning its own people and the people who rightly own the land the nation has colonized. Mm. That, my friends, was the story of the Downwinders. That was fun. (laughs) It Um, is infuriating is what it is. It is absolutely infuriating. The fact that, like, the most base so this this rika is pretty shitty anyway right like the legislation's not great but it's all that's in place and they for 78 years have ignored the first people to be victims of this here's what i'm here's how i'm thinking about it okay why they never dealt with this particular fallout because i think they were all thinking in their heads like very similar like the 2008 like world economy collapse basically Mm -hmm. like so when that happened, there were, like, five people in the world that could understand it and, like, pull it mm-hmm. apart. They're like, there's only, like, us that can explain what's going yeah. on. And if somebody except for us isn't there, who's going to explain it? You know, it was like one of those. It's the we it, it's can like, get it's away like, with It's it. like we can cover our ass so easily yes. because nobody can explain. Even we can't explain mm-hmm. what's really happening. You know, because we didn't think that uh, clouds would carry the fallout 100 miles. Well, or like, well, we tried to do some experiments with plutonium, yeah. like injecting with some 18, people. Like, bring in the 18 people, but look at look at them. They all look fantastic. Well, they're all kind of bald. But other than that, they all look fantastic. Well, and the few it's that like, died, actually yeah. most of oh, them Oh, that's died. right. There's only 15. Yeah. I'm sorry. I couldn't count. But, uh, yeah. It's... I mean, and this is also part of, like, science fiction. There's, like, yeah, the big yeah, evil government yep. and, mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. did all these experiments. Mm-hmm. And as we know, this wasn't even an experiment. It was Fallout, literally. Mm-hmm. But we, we do know, like, MK Ultra and, like, with acid, like, yes. government uh-huh. has experimented on people. Uh, well, and done a lot of incredibly unethical shit, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing is there's, like, the... It it's like it is so corrupt to just first of all like we can debate the inhumanity of dropping the atomic bomb on anyone because that is a good debate to have because that is a really troubling thing yeah but we can even drop another one on ourselves which well, has almost happened the first bomb <laughs> yeah. was not Hiroshima Ew. it was in the Tularosa Basin it was on the White Sands Proving Ground. It was in New Mexico. Yeah. And the, that when, they, when New Mexico was a state. Yeah. I mean. And there was nothing ever acknowledged about it. No help given. They're still getting iced out of help. Right. It is some bullshit. And, that, and that's the other thing, too. Like, over the, over the years, they've little by little been able to piece together, like, oh, this is what's happening to us. Well, right, like over time and as things came out and as people understood mechanisms better, yeah, then it's like, oh. You you probably couldn't have made this claim, like, even ten years after the bomb had dropped, because, like, who the fuck? Right, right, it was all kind of question marks. It wasn't even studied until over 30 years later. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, 40 years later, yeah, yeah. over 40 years So they had to literally, like. 50, over 1990 is when it that's came true, out yeah. no wait how many years no, that's is that? 40 uh, that's 55 years no, no that's 2000 45 years 51. anyway we're not gonna do this <laughs> we're not gonna do this again it was I don't over remember, 40 years i don't remember which year he started with no it was not it was over 40 years it was over 40 years 45 45 to 90 90 
Oh, I thought you were... Anyway. It's 45 years. That okay. it is. <laughs> anyway, I just... I got really upset reading about it. It was just like... <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's... I, and, and think... I mean, the bomb really did change everything. It changed yeah. how our military prepares. Mm-hmm. It changed how civilians prepare. It changed cultures. It literally... It birthed science fiction mm-hmm. and all these other, like, you know fantasy genres that i mean all already kind of existed mm-hmm. but now there's this now there's this thing that exists mm-hmm. that can literally like it, like it's like a fucking death star mm-hmm. i well, mean you know and i get it and but i also like i fully agree with um like i think tina cordova has talked she's been making the press rounds the co-founder of the consortium mm-hmm. because this is a really good time to start bringing oh, this yeah, up right of course yeah um and basically one of their, like, grievances is you couldn't have mentioned this in your damn film. Like, while you're over here talking about, like, the lofty, which is not nothing and should be considered the lofty, like, ethics of having atomic weaponry. Like, you, they completely mm. iced out <clears throat> of the storytelling the people... Who were the first victims of this? Yeah. And the, uh, I, it is my opinion that a large part of that is because uh, is because most of most of the people were poor, in a rural area, mm. were um, Native American, were Indigenous people, were were Hispanic or Latino, that they these are like minority people, people who are already treated poorly, especially right. back in 1945. You know. Um, and that was one of the reasons. If this was like, there's a bunch of middle class, middle and upper class white people around. I don't think it. Well, first of all, they well, never would have been that's what, I, place. that's what I was See? saying. That's what I was saying. There wasn't so, a golf course nearby. Of exactly. Course, of course, there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like you know that that shit doesn't happen there. And and I will say, like I'm sure Christopher Nolan did a lot of research for this film. He wrote it. It's really shitty. He didn't think about that. Think to mention I mean, that. We don't know if he did or if he didn't. I mean, it could have been a plot line, but I mean, well, it's really shitty. It's not. It's it not wasn't in the final. In the final it's not in the cut. final product. Well, then I, we you'll that. tell you what. I don't care if he shot those scenes. It's really shitty. It's not in the final cut. Yeah. Period. However far he may or may not have gotten, I, I, he it it is kind of indefensible. I, I'm just as I'm I'm pretty irate about that. I, I I agree that they have every right to be upset about that. Um, it it was it's. Like how, and it wouldn't have even taken half a second. And they could have shown Oppenheimer having a little crisis of faith about it. <laughs> like, I'll tell you, I like, mean, did they put anything in the credits? Did they at least like nothing there? Either? I don't believe so. Okay. The, from what I've read, I mean, that's I mean, the beef. Having it involved in the movie, I mean, that's an artistic decision. I mean, it could go many different ways. You know. But when uh, you're but, trying to tell this story, because he was trying you're to telling tell the story a story of a bomb, not the no, fallout of the bomb. No, he was trying to tell a story about the what was unleashed on the world, right? Sure. And didn't mention the first victims of it. Why the fuck not? Because it didn't it didn't fit with the story. See, and that's bullshit. I think I think it's I think it's white man bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> And and like we could have done with thirty seconds last of a of a close up of Killian Murphy's face and just talked about it for thirty seconds. The story was it wasn't the fallout of the bomb. I mean, I that I would have been interested in hadn't seen in the film as well. It was the fallout of him. That's what that was. What the other narrative was. I get it. No, I I just think yeah. it could have been included. That's all I'm saying. I mean, who knows? Whatever. 
I don't like the Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Whatever. Whatever. Big W. But, uh... Yeah, Christopher but Nolan's aside. on my shit list a little bit for that. Because I do think it's, it's like... I'm still mad. Min's effort. I'm still mad at him for the, the power bomb at the end of The Wrestler and killing off Mickey Rourke. That, that's oh, still, spoiler alert. That's 15 years old now, I think. It didn't... Power bomb? What? It was a, it's a wrestling movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't, they didn't... They didn't <laughs> I'm joking. I know they intimated he died, but they didn't say he did. I'm joking. I know. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, anywho. <laughs> Chris, Christopher Nolan's artistic decisions aside, um, this thing, I mean... These I mean, people deserve to be included yeah, in Rika at fucking the absolutely. minimum. Yes. The absolute bare minimum... And then everybody also, deserves more conversation. Because here's the other thing about cancer that we do know about today is it's it's generational, for the most part. Like yeah, you're gonna be, you're gonna it pass it on. Genes, yes. yes, and 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 well, that's why like multiple generations yes. are continuing to have problems. Yes, so, absolutely. And it's uh, but it's just yeah, I mean it's really gross. I mean, certain people don't care about certain people, and that fucking really sucks. Yeah. And the uh, certain people. Who don't care are typically white, and the people that they don't care about are typically not, not or white. are poor, or are any and, other no, outgroup. No, not white and poor. Just you know, you gotta get yeah, right. Like, like Mario Brothers, like when you hit the box, you gotta get the coin sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, two for one. Um, but I do recommend you know if you want to look into the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium, they're the ones doing the activist work for. The victims in the Tularosa sure. Basin. The, so the Trinity victims, yeah. specifically. They have, I mean, a lot of the, actually, I think all of the accounts that I got, you know, where I was t- talking about people's, like, uh, 22 members of my family, blah, blah, blah. Um, those came from affidavits that are published on their website. Oh, okay. Like, it, it's really amazing, too. They are, I mean, and they're affidavits largely from, like, the past few years. Because there have been lawsuits and stuff too of course um rightly so but like literally people have hand written out these affidavits like and you can tell some people are very old doing this writing out full-blown accounts of like this is where i was when the trinity test happened and here's what i mean at this point there this was almost 80 years ago (laughs) so they're very elderly I, Um, i legit saw the sun in front of my face right and and then signing like signing based like on penalty of perjury like this is my, this is exactly what happened to me these are my recollections and they have like dozens of these statements it's pretty yeah, amazing there's probably banker boxes like full of those mm-hmm. but, and yeah. they published them on their website which I thought was really amazing yeah but yeah the poor downwinders just like absolute victims of their own government killing them like it's just bullshit it's real bullshit i mean we were i mean you know we were trying to kill germans but they had already surrendered and then we were like well let's just test we it gotta anyway. use it anyway <laughs> so. and then, and the then fact... they were like the japanese and then the fact that they that they followed up with the japanese victims better than well, the I american mean, here's victims? here's what like, you also that's... have to re- Here's what you also have to remember, too, for like probably like a 25-year period as far as race relations went in America. Like, for a little bit, Japanese people had it worse than black people. Now, think about that. Well, that regardless, <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying is they went to Japan and tested people in right. Japan. But that's they, what I'm saying. They like, were more 
testing the effects of radiation on people in Japan and completely ignored everyone in America who had been... No, they they knew had been exposed to radiation. Had an idea, and then for they sure. kept exposing them to radiation, and and telling them to go go sit on their front porch and watch it. Like that's how specifically <laughs> right. they didn't care. <laughs> like if it looks like snow, just go play in it. <sighs> like it's all good. Nothing bad will happen. Ugh. Do you guys know what a thyroid is? <laughs> just I mean. Yeah, I just think it's it's really like. It, it's it's just the downwinders. Oh, no, just so I get that. It's, that's all. Uh, no, it was, oh, is it? Oh, it's just, it's just called, called the downwinders. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Not the downwinders, because down that's wi- an alternate The word. downwinders. Yeah. The oneaters. <laughs> what is that from? Um, That thing you do. Oh, okay. I, I the wonders. Said, I almost said it's from the wonders, but no, that was the name of them. The oneaters. <laughs> And I like later in the film, like in his epilogue, he formed another band called the Herdsmen. Remember, H E A, like like herd. We hear like you. we heard it. The Herdsmen. We here for you. Oh my god! I thought that was really funny and clever. Like he found another band called the Herdsmen. <laughs> but anyway, <sighs> so that was a a fun foyer into what happens when we subject our own people to. Radiation poisoning. Yeah. For a test that is still, I mean, really. The answer is we scar generations. Uh, yeah. Of people. I mean, that is still. And kill like, off generations of people. Like, I understand you spent $2 billion on it, but did we really? Yeah. I mean, wow. Anyway, that was The Downwinders. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We will see you next week. <laughs>